1: Live, a lively, educational, and issues-driven radio show designed to tell another side of the story, to focus on and humanize crime victims, to enlighten and shine the spotlight on organizations and service providers, and to to assist those who walk the path with us. This is Donna R. Gore, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host, Lila Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com. welcoming you this saturday evening and every saturday for enlightenment, awareness, entertainment and um i know that we always um learn a lot from every single show and uh we we have a couple of uh, very accomplished guests this evening and i'm i'm very proud to have them on because they are affiliated with the uh with the Cold Case uh, Institute in Atlanta, um, but before I bring on my guest, want to say good evening, Delilah, and it's nice to have you back. It's my co-pilot. I uh, was a little bit uh, willy-nilly last week, but we made it through without you, so how are things? Great, great.
2: Good to be back, and I'm sure everything was just fine. <laughs> <laughs> you you seem to handle it fine, and I, I know you can do it, so I'm Karen and, and yeah. then I'm not. So,
1: well, but, yeah, we're going to have a good show tonight. Yeah.
2: Right. Well, we've got a couple of really super guests, and yeah. I would say let's just jump right in and, and get the show right. on the road. Okay, very
1: good. Um, of course, we, we um, many of our listeners, repeat listeners know Cheryl McCollum, who is an accomplished c- criminologist, investigator, she is a uh professor um and um from Atlanta and she works with um many of the the best best most skilled uh, experts around the country to try to help teach students in the Atlanta area and to help solve cold cases and everyone probably sees her face every once in a while on the Nancy Grace show too, which does doesn't hurt and uh this evening, um as part of our um upcoming series for the uh for the cross country cold case tour that they are initiating, which is a one of a kind, and we're very glad to be partnered with them. we have Dr. Cindy Hatfield with us this evening um who is a criminal profiler and as we we didn't have a lot of s- specific information uh, for good reason because of the nature of her job. I'm just going to say good evening and let her um, tell us a little of her background. So, so Mac and Cindy, thank you so much for being on Shattered Life. It's a pleasure to have you with us.
3: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. It's well, always great. a good
1: time for me. <laughs> <laughs> we know life is a good time for you, Mac. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, in any case, um, is it okay if I call you Cindy rather than Doctor Hatfield? Absolutely. Well thank you so much. You can call mm-hmm. me whatever you like. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> um, can you would you be so kind as to tell us a little bit about your background so that people are familiar?
3: Sure. Um I have a doctorate in clinical psychology. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is always interested in forensics, though. Um, it just seems like forever. And um, now, of course, nowadays, more and more people or more and more programs are specializing just in forensic psychology, uh, but... Uh, used to, the way it was done is, you know, you, you got your degree in clinical psychology and I got my doctorate there. And then, um, you specialize in forensics and that's exactly what I did. And so I specialized in forensics and, uh, worked in, um, uh, prisons and penitentiaries and jails. And I also worked with the justice system, police departments. And, um, and that's where I, um, and that's how I specialized in my field. In fact, that's how that's how Mac and I also met. Mm-hmm.
1: But you now also work in academia, is that right?
3: Yes, um, and off and on for about ten years, I work as um, adjunct professors in different um, uh, universities, and I've also worked, you know, for a, for a few years in one university with um, uh, Cheryl McCollum as well.
1: Uh huh. Wow. So it sounds like you've had a very varied career. And um, I don't I don't know how do you how do you juggle all that or do, do you now have a, a a favorite concentration and what what brings you to this juncture today and what you're doing?
3: Um, well, I think it's my involvement with the institute, which I've been involved for I can't believe it; it's been ten years, hasn't it, Cheryl? That's amazing. Wow. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
3: And so I've been involved with that for ten years, and I guess that is one of my major passions. And, um, and of course, I donate my time um, to the Institute, and it's such um, an amazing organization that does such amazing things for victims and victims' families. And so mm-hmm. it has been so worthwhile to me to donate my time so that, you know, not only to help these families – but to teach these students who are just eyes wide open and they're sponges, and they are giving just as much as we are. You know, so to provide direction to these students who are so interested in forensic sciences or in police or in in criminal justice in general has um, has been really thrilling for me because there's nothing like working with the students who are so eager to learn and that put in 110% um, working for these families. And I think that that's probably, you know, it, what drives Cheryl as well, because it is very mm-hmm. gratifying. And and I think so that has been, you know, although, again, I, I have a very strong clinical background, um, I think the past 10 years, um, I have been driven by my work with the Institute, um, mm-hmm. and you know of course i also am a consultant i also teach college i i do i do various other activities i've worked for the police i've done um um i work for i currently still work for a um investigations um uh, company in right around my area as well and we do we do all other kinds of investigations as well like corporate investigations and i'm also a a um a certified uh, mediator and registered with the state of Georgia through um it, in in uh domestic and in civil mediation. So I've am all together <laughs> yes, I'm involved in the justice system. In in all
1: aspects of the uh Mac, how, how did you happen to hook send or acquire Cindy's skills? Oh. What's the backstory <laughs> of that? Well
0: <laughs> so you can say I probably hooked her. Well what happened is Cindy and I met about 15 years ago, and we were both in the court system. I was an investigator with the DA's office, and she was the psychologist, you know, assigned to the court. And it was funny because when you're assigned to major cases, whether it's homicide or aggravated assault or whatever it might be, whenever there was something written, maybe a threat or some type of letter that didn't appear to be a threat, it almost looked like a love letter, I would always take it to Dr. Cindy and say, okay, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Because for me, um, I might get into a room with a bunch of cops and go, hey, I think this guy's a nut. Well, that's as far as I could take it. (laughs) But (laughs) Cindy would be able to take it and actually just dissect exactly what's going on. Um, I know one of the first times we ever worked the case together, she pointed out on the letter, she said, look where he goes from making a capital I to a lowercase i, was still referring to himself. Well, that didn't mean anything to me, but it certainly did to her. And we had another case um, where a judge was threatened in a note. And I didn't know, is the guy serious or not? Because, again, I'm from the school. You take it all seriously. But I did want to know, is this person going to try to harm this judge? And Cindy was able to look at it and tell me no and why she thought no. Um, and, it, and it's just remarkable. And pretty much straight down the line she's right on the money. And I mean I've had an opportunity to work with her on scene in court and then in the war room and it it's just remarkable to watch her operate.
1: Wow. That that's that's very impressive.
0: Are is there
1: are are there track records kept about uh what profilers predict and say oh no you were all right on that but but you know 90% of the time given given analyzing the the evidence in the crime scene it seems like you're you're on the mark you know more more often than not is is that how it goes Cindy
3: well you know that's interesting you asked that because um you know i wondered that myself i wonder if there are I, there probably are some statistics out there but you know i i think in general because and this is what we like to say whether you are you know a forensic psychologist who's a profiler or whether you are a profiler with the FBI it is it there is very much a science behind it but it is not a perfect science so you know there mistakes can happen but i would say in general with experienced profilers they are they're typically um they're typically very accurate i mean because and i think it really goes back to a lot of the work that the fbi did in the 70s um gathering so much information on serial killers and so we began realizing oh my gosh there is very specific sets of characteristics for these guys and so we know if they're that if that that the, these groups they they have A, B, and C, and D characteristics, and if they have just A and B, then we know they're going to have C. I mean, th- we know these things because of a lot of the work that the FBI did. So mm-hmm. when we're going through and doing a lot of these profiles, um, it, it's a lot of the things we're pretty dead on because – we have so much history of predicting, and then not just predicting, but going back and going, okay, was that correct? Was that not correct? And tweaking. So, uh-huh. um, because a lot of these guys do follow a lot of the same patterns, and they fit into a lot of the same categories, and we there's 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 a lot of various things that we look at, and I don't know if you want me to go into that sure. right now or not. Sure, you you, you. go ahead. Okay. Um, you know there's there's so many things that we know about um crimes criminals serial killers um but we we there's and and you know Cheryl will elaborate on this as well with all you know her experience but we do know that um most individuals they they commit crimes they begin they begin typically with very their less serious offenses and over the years their level of criminality increases. So they may begin with, say, voyeurism, and then they progress to burglary, and then assault, then rape, then murder. So there's a lot of basics that we do know. Um, and um, there's there's the, then there's also other things that we also consider, and these are the things that we're considering when we leading up to doing a profile. Um, we look at time ele- elements, um, Uh, at the time of the offense or the abduction. Um, And that tells us a lot of things about the victim. and victimology, it tells us a lot of things about the the possible offender. Um, And Cheryl and I were just talking about this, about um, uh, other things that we consider, which is MO or or modus operandi. Mm -hmm. And that is considered the method or technique of carrying out the crime. Well, we also know that offenders in particular – uh, killers and serial killers, their MO can change every time. And why is that? Because as this individual starts gaining more experience and they start perfecting, they often adapt this criminal technique to increase in efficiency. So it's hard to say, oh, well, this is their MO. Well, their MO is constantly being updated. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't they, they gain more confidence your in
1: what they're doing?
3: Pardon? Pardon? They gain more
1: confidence in what they're doing? I mean, if they see, oh, I successfully killed that person and got away with it, then they're going to be a little more bold the next time and try something else?
3: They can do that. And they also are thinking to themselves, well, you know, because a lot of these guys are very bright. It depends Mm -hmm. on, and I'll talk about this in a second, if they're organized versus disorganized, and that's a lot of things, a lot of what we look at. Um, But they also may change some of what we think of as their mo. Um because they don 't want us linking or connecting these series, because very it 's a it 's a common misbelief that serial killers want to get caught they don 't want to get caught, and mm-hmm. um they they may be crying out for all different types of things, but they don 't want to get caught, and so sometimes their m o may change in order to trip the police up you know right. um, and but more than anything instead of looking at the m o We look at the offender's engagement in repetitive, ritualistic behaviors um, at the crime scene. The crime scene is very important, and that is often far more important um, in linking crimes to the same offender. Um, So, um, you know, and then we talk about um, the... Another factor to consider is a signature, and that is kind of a a unique set of behaviors that the offender engages in with each victim. And so a lot of these serial offenders engage in repetitive ritualistic behavior that I just talked about at the crime scene um, since most of the time that offense itself is insufficient, providing enough what we call psychosexual gratification. So the offender may have what we call a signature or a calling card. For example, post mortem body positioning or postmortem mutilation or pre mortem mutilation, um symbolic type gestures or written statements left behind. And this is often what you see in movies, you know. Um right. we don't we don't it what you see in the movies is a little different or quite very very different, um because uh, it's a far clearer in the movies, and 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 they leave far more signatures in the movies than we actually get in real life. And uh, is that
1: the same for TV shows as well? I mean, they they make it kind of clear cut. Oh, they always leave a uh, a whatever at the at the scene, and that really doesn't happen in real life.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, we 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 laugh about it. It would be wonderful if what happened on TV could really happen in real life. I mean. <laughs> Some of these tests that they do literally could take weeks to do, it, and oh my gosh, they've done it in like 27 minutes. You know, it's like <laughs> how, yeah. how how does that, it would? See, I mean, our lives would be so much more efficient if what happened in on TV happened in real life. But yeah. I mean, it's wonderful to watch, and I'm a huge fan of of these shows because it is, you know, what they do is a lot of things are, are accurate as far as. Tests and things like that—they just put it in hyperdrive, you know—and um, and and get things done far more efficiently. And if you see some of their profilers, their profilers are very—they're um, very rarely do they have even a tiny anything anything off at all. They're right dead on. And and we are all human, you know, and so things sure. do change. And we're trying to gather information all the time, and they seem to have all the information right at their fingertips. You know, right. so... Um, um, hey, Donna? It, yes.
0: Can, can I give you an example of Cindy's work? Sure. Yes, please do. When we were working the Natalie Holloway case, and we had worked for, you know, a year and a half on this case, I totally believed he would reoffend in some way. There was zero doubt in my mind. And most of the detectives and other experts agreed with me. But it was Dr. Cindy that pinpointed, he will re offend within five years, and she marked is that it. right? Yeah. Wow. The Natalie Holloway case was the first case that the institute came forward on releasing one of our findings because it, we thought it was that important because Aruba was not going to move on it and they weren't <laughs> going to arrest him and they weren't going to try him, and we just felt like he had tried to run beth holloway every step of the way that he could he showed no remorse hell he had confessed four times you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so when we got Cindy's profile back we thought you know what y'all we've got to go public just to try to protect people if we can and it's the first and only time we've gone public like that naming an offender and stating publicly we believe he'll reoffend and how long? Well, I, I'm trying to remember. I know I've written
1: a couple of blogs. from the, are you talking about reoffending in terms of another murder that the other, the other woman Correct. that he killed? Mm-hmm. How, what the, years. The, yeah. What was the time frame between Natalie and she? Five years. Was it? Mm-hmm. It was what? Five years. It mm-hmm. was five years. Wow. It was five years. So again, well, Sharon, they, Cindy.
0: I'm sorry, go ahead and I'll finish. Just, and just, okay. I, have I just want to say it. it's one of the things that we tell the students again, and I've said it on your show, but when we're right, it's usually not good news. <laughs> I didn't want <listen> to to be <laughs> right, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, she was right, and she was right dead on to the date, even to the fact that, again, his MO would change. He wouldn't kill her the same way. Mm-hmm. because it's not right. about that he's not a serial killer in that regard that he's looking for the same victim over and over but he will kill to get his way
1: mm-hmm. yeah wow well my question well, would, did you to, both,
2: to, bo- yes, to both of you um, to bring the Natalie Holloway case back up to date what is your opinion on this new witness that's come forward after what 10 years
0: He's full of crap. Yeah. And and let me be really clear with your listeners, and then I'll let Dr. Cindy take it on a Ph.D. level. I'm just going to keep it right where I'm at. (laughs) The best he is, and I want you to understand what I'm telling you. The best he is, if they go to that shack and they recover Natalie's remains, the best he is is a piece of shit that let her parents suffer for a decade. The best he is is the piece of shit that let them. He watched it and did nothing. Mm -hmm. And if he's a criminal, and let me tell you something, I'm around criminals all the time. I'm around really good ones. And you know what they don't do? They don't bring heat on themselves. He brought more police to that island than that island had ever seen. Criminals don't do that. And all he had to do was say, you know what, to some little girlfriend, Why don't you go get the reward money and tell her she's in there in that shack so all these people can leave and you can get 50 grand? He's full of it. He's a liar. He's a con artist. He's a scammer. He's nothing. And I hate it for her parents because once again, they've loaded up a cadaver dog. They've spent all this money to go over there. And what does Aruba tell them? We ain't going to let you investigate. We ain't going to let you look. And it might take us two months. It's going to take you two months, Aruba.
1: To go look under some floorboards. Oh come on, come right. on now. Well, what was the idea y'all. that 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 building was indeed under construction or something? They thought that that was supposed to be so significant.
0: It, it is to the daddy, but listen to me. The man is desperate, right. and even if they were to recover her remains, don't we already know who did? it?
3: <laughs> That's true. Well, mm-hmm. We already Let's know who
0: did. It. Yeah. We, we, but they're not going to get it. Right. They're, they're not going to get it.
1: This just keeps it,
2: it's going It's the saddest
0: thing I've ever seen. Because since so there, there have been more more people yeah. coming at that family saying, "Hey, I found this. There's a bloody mattress. There's some bones. There's some hair," and they're all con artists. Every one of them. Mhm. Yeah, and every time that happens, how
1: can you not react as a family member and try to do everything you can in your power? So Cindy, what's your take on, on this piece of shit? <laughs> <As she says. laughs> I'm just using her words, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
3: yes, and that that's a clinical term too. <laughs> um no, you know what and and I think Cheryl and I both agree on that and um I, I believe that, um, and you know, throughout time, though, I'll look at other cases where people have come forward. Look at cases where people, multiple people, will come forward and and they will um, confess to murdering a, a, the same person. I mean, look at this is this has happened throughout time, and I've had so many people say, "Why would anybody confess to murdering someone?" When they didn't do it. Oh, there are so many multiple reasons why people do this. It's Obviously, they're, uh, um, they're most most of these people are not the stablest of people, but there are so many different reasons why people come forward and confess to murders that they did not commit. There are so many reasons why people come forward and 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 confess to the involvement or watching a murder that they were not involved in. It is, it goes to deep psychological issues. It goes Mm -hmm. to money issues. It goes to pure psychopathology where they're just complete sociopaths and they want fame. They want glory at Mm -hmm. any cost. 15
1: minutes of fame. I'll take it any way I can get it. You got it. People, huh?
3: You got it. Wow.
1: That's incredible. To bring it into the realm a little bit of the upcoming tour um, besides, I've forgotten now, it, Natalie's case, how many of those cases on the tour do you predict are are going to be in need of the profiler in terms of maybe this is a serial murderer, uh, Mac or Cindy?
0: Um, I think I can answer that. Um, Go ahead. I, I need her on at least six that I know of. Um, and I am praying that we'll get enough funding and donations to be able to get her there. Um, she's already offered to go to one on her own, which, again, speaks to her as a human being. Yeah. Um, And, again, I can't brag on her enough because, again, you're talking about somebody, this is how she makes her living, and in 10 years, I've never paid her a dime. So it would be nice, um, you know, to have her at every scene for those families because, again, you can hear her, you can hear the way she's able to break things down and make it very, Clinical, but also something you can understand. So, for law enforcement, for that detective that has this case, to be able to have a profiler on it to add to his case file, will mm-hmm. be a godsend. No question about it. Well, this might be a good juncture. Why don't you just
1: give the information and and people are listening, and then on the archives as well, um, in case people do want to donate. Um, where where can we send
0: donations? To CCIRI the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute, at 541 10th Street, number 235, Atlanta, Georgia, 30318. And you can even specify. You can say, hey, I want this to get Dr. Cindy to New Mexico. You can do Mm -hmm.
1: that.
0: Absolutely. Okay.
1: Well, we just wanted to make sure, and we'll, we'll mention that again at the end as well, but uh, do you is is it the case where um uh, when you go out into the field and you're examining analyzing these crime scenes, do you get more information? Is it more information rich to be there at the crime scene or is it more uh, more information rich to excuse me, analyze uh documents um and interview people or does it just really depend upon the case and
3: well, it's it, well, you know, all, ca- all, all cases are different, obviously, but it is. I would say you can't do one without the other. They're both mm-hmm. so vitally important. But the information you get at the crime scene is, is is irreplaceable. I mean, it's there are so many factors there, and there's also, you know, as a as as a profiler and as a seasoned detective, there are so there's there's a lot of intuition there as well. Because of your experiences and being able to be right there, whether it's a fresh crime scene, obviously that you're working on, or a cold case, even the cold case ones, you you never get the full perspective unless you are actually there. You can have films of it, you can, but until you're right there, you don't really get um, the, the, a good feel of the size or the mm-hmm. you know the size of the bridge or the what the different mm-hmm. things that are involved. You don't. Um, Or or the smells that are in the air during that time of the year there. If there's a factory nearby, there's so many different things that influence, you know, um, how you would look at the crime scene. And you don't get that from pictures. But just as important as being at the at the at the crime scene and and getting all those very important details um, is all the documents and autopsy reports and everything. I mean, those those are incredibly important as well. So they're both equally important. But it's, it's again, it's little things at the crime scene sometimes. The type of gravel and, you know, if the victim was barefooted, then you can go barefoot and see how it feels. There's all kinds of different things that that go on, you know, because they may say, oh, that, you know, we believe that the victim um, was, you know, ran a mile. And then you go, there's, you know, you look at it, there's no way she ran a mile. There's no way. I, I can't run two feet with it. You know, I mean, there's a so you, you You put
1: yourself in the, in their shoes and you do what they did and you you have a whole new insight, right?
3: Oh, absolutely! I mean, it, that's yeah. just that's just you know one of the Why things. But there, beautiful. yes. But you, it's it's the entire picture that because you need to incorporate all your skills, all your knowledge, all you know, all my clinical knowledge, all of the things I've acquired, all the things that I've learned, it, it, my intuition, everything, and um, and of course, and I high, I I I guess I rely on investigators and seasoned professionals. Like Cheryl for a lot of guidance too, because they have so much knowledge from a investigative perspective that I don't have that I rely on, um, and um, and so I think the the importance of of I can't really say whether one is more important than the other as far as being at the scene or, or reviewing all these documents. They're both mm-hmm. you have to have both of them. In my opinion, you do. All right.
1: But is there a particular way in which you prepare? I mean there I'm I'm sure you have a particular protocol or routine but in it would depend upon what you're asked to do. But what what is involved? You can't just, you know, read files and say, Okay, I'm gonna fly out there. I mean, how how much time does it take to well, I mean, if, if they're calling you to the scene, if it's an emergency, sometimes you don't have that much preparation, right? What's the right. What's the typical with regard to that? Or is that what you're typically doing? You're You're called in to consult in an emergency, and you don't have the luxury of time, or what?
3: Well, it, it, all I mean, I've done uh, I've, I've done it all, but it, mm-hmm. in a case like that, you know, if it's an emergency, you don't have time to prepare, and in a way. Um, That's kind of – that's interesting as well because you go in – I mean, you you get in right on ground level. And, and again, you don't have time to prepare. And it's one of those things that most profilers, and I think – and this kind of goes across the board – we don't want to know who they think or if they have any uh, suspects. We don't we want or or what they look like or anything else we want to get in totally unbiased and go in and do our job and thoroughly examine the crime scene you know is this organized versus disorganized and then we just go down the list and start putting our profile together without knowing getting any information from um, you know investigators on what they think at this point now later of course we want to know everything they think but at that point I don't. I want to do what I'm doing and using my science and my knowledge to go about it because I don't want to be biased by anything. Because we Mm -hmm. are all human beings and we can be biased, all of us. We're all, you know, it can happen to any of us. It doesn't matter how seasoned we are. It can happen to us. So you have to kind of cut all of that out. And that's what's so nice when you do have a fresh crime scene is you can go in and do that nothing's been, you know, on TV and no one's telling you anything, you just go in and do your job. Now, of course, on cold cases, that's a whole different story. Um because then at that point you're you're going through and you know you've heard what, you know, different people have thought and who the possible suspects are and then but what you do is you still just go through and do your job and but it's a cold case for a reason because there there may be you know, 10 different theories. So at that point, there's not too much bias either because, you know, you have 10, different groups thinking 10 different things. That's why it's a cold case. So Mm -hmm. you can go in and essentially do the same thing. um, But, uh, but you do have the thought of, well, you know, it could be this, could be that, it could be that, or this person or that person, but you still go in and do the same thing. And, um, when you go to a crime scene, um, regardless of, it, of whether it is a cold case or if it is just a fresh crime scene, you're, you're coming in and you're scanning and you're looking around and 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 if it's a cold case, you're there and you have p- pictures of you know with you about okay, well it was right here, it was right there, and you can kind of you know put it together in your mind. But, and so you're picking up on any detail that's going to tell you really two different things whether they are organized or or whether they're disorganized. Because they they generally fall into these two general groups, and sometimes you get a mixture of both. But, um, and if they are organized, oh my gosh, that gives me tons of information about these, about personality inferences and traits. Of a uh, a disorganized offender, or if it's an organized crime scene, if it's you know uh, uh, personality inferences of the organized offender, and then you just build and build and build. Um, for instance, you know if this was you go in you see a very planned organized crime scene with very little evidence, and you're going through there and, and you start realizing. Well, you know, these this organized crime scene, it reflects a very high level of control, um, you know, quite often. And you may see that restraints were used um, and you may see that uh, the body was disposed of and, you know, typically kind of a thought out manner or is transported possibly from another location. We know these are organized inferences of, of personality. And then we mm-hmm. start looking down from there. They're they're typically very socially competent, intelligent. They I mean, people. What's what's interesting to me is if you look on these shows, like say, um, um, uh, the FBI. Uh, if you're looking at one of the shows with the FBI profilers, you'll see them, and they'll say, "Yes, we have a male between the ages of 35 and 45, and he has a, a live-in partner or is married." And you go through there, and everybody's thinking. How the heck do they come up with this? You know, yes. I mean, I mean you know, oh, they drama. work a factory job. You know, yes. and it, it, you know, and it's like, "What? Where are they pulling this from?" Well, we know this from um, you're mixing a lot of clinical knowledge and a lot of information that we've collected through the years about disorganized versus organized killers who are who commit similar crimes. And then we know certain things about them that are statistically significant, and so we start going down through these. You know, um, we know, and so that's that's how we kind of go about it. And and sort of
1: process of elimination in a way, and using a checklist kind of
3: kind of manner. Certainly yes, because there's just yeah. there's just a number of things that we right. know we absolutely know, and sometimes. There are things that, you know, you say, oh, so you know that because of your clinical knowledge. Well, not really because it really doesn't make sense clinically. But we do know that this type of offender who offends in this type of manner and is we know that typically they live with a partner and they follow the crime in the media. And, you know, we know that they're kind of narcissistic and manipulative personalities, but they're not. they're not delusional you know or or they're not they're not having psychotic processes going on. We know these these types of things that are going on. So yes, that's how we start going down and of course while we're going down it and we find out more information and more information, we tweak it. You know, um uh, it and and that's that's part of that investigative process where you start going over you know you've been to the crime scene you start going over the autopsy reports and you go over different things and the investigators and you get the investigators in you start realizing oh well oh i didn't realize that um, um certain things that you had not, you, you know you didn't know before and you go oh okay so maybe and then you tweak whatever part of your profile and that's just the part you know part of it um, and so they're all. Every crime scene is different. Yet there are there are. You're always going to find some specific similarities to similar types of crime scenes or similar types of offenders who commit similar crimes and crime scenes. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: tell me if, if this is true and. Uh, maybe both of you can address this, Mac, Anthony. From watching as many crime shows as most people do, um, it, it seems like if I distilled it down, when when they try to crack a cold case, it comes down to two things. Either somebody has missed a small piece of evidence that's significant, or they failed to interview a witness that they yeah. should have. Is
0: that true? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's yes and no. I mean, quite honestly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I tell people a lot mm-hmm. that time is one of the best tools any investigator has. And a lot of times what will happen is relationships change. So you might not have been a good witness for me three years ago. Mm-hmm. But now after right? a divorce, you might be my best witness. <laughs> so it's not that they okay. miss that person. That person is now in a position to come forward where they weren't before. Um, We had a cold case where the person was seven when they witnessed a horrific crime. Well, that's hard for a seven-year-old to process and deal with. It's not that hard for somebody 25. So, you know, sometimes that happens. Now that I'm an adult, I'm not afraid of you. Now that I'm an adult, I understand what happened, and I can tell it. So sometimes it's just time.
1: Time and here's
0: be another mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And another thing with some of these cases, they're not cold because we don't know who did it. They're cold because we can't
3: prove, prove it who
0: we know did it.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean,
0: right. if, if if Aruba ever decides to arrest Johan Vanderflut for killing Natalie Holloway, nobody is going to go. Oh my God! I didn't think he did it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not going to happen. So, again, right. it's, it's not some big who done it, some mystery. The only mystery is where Natalie is. There is mm-hmm. no mystery in what happened to her and who had right. a hand in it. Where did they do it and where is she now or whatever, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Men are A to B. Yeah. Men are A to uh-huh. B people. So if he killed her or she died on that beach, she's in the Atlantic Ocean.
3: Mm-hmm. He
0: did not chase her he did not put her in a car he didn't drive her all over that island and find some fabulous place to hide her body you know leaving the capo brothers sitting there totally oblivious to what's happening nobody believes that nobody
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: yeah that's true. Well, it might be a
1: good. Uh, go, go ahead, Cindy. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. Go I, I, you answer. know what?
3: It, that just made me think of something, and, and Cheryl can comment about this. But what yeah. I love about the institute is that we have so many experts in so many different fields. That, for instance, with Natalie, if we have a question about, oh my gosh, is, it, you know, is she? Could she be in the ocean? Where could she be? We have experts and in, in diving experts and experts in, in all fields that can tell us exactly about the waters. And I don't know if you want to comment about that or not, Cheryl, but we, we have sure so can. many different experts. I mean, that's how fortunate we are. There's All fields are covered. So if we have a question about something, and, you know, that certainly – Water is t- totally outside my domain. You know,
0: right.
3: uh, we have someone who's an expert in that who can assist us, and it's 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 that's why I just I love the institute and all these people yeah. again are donating their their time, not getting paid. So,
1: well, is that yeah. the beauty of of this tour? In that, I mean, wouldn't you think? Uh, so maybe Aruba in and of itself, doesn't have that many uh, resources or experts right there, or, you know, it was so politically a, a hotbed, um, and you can draw from all over the country or all over the world in terms of people that are volunteering for you. So that's that's really the beauty of, of this tour, that you can pull in people that maybe have never done some of these things. Is that is that right, Mac?
0: In a way, but again, the beauty of it is getting the right experts at the right scene <laughs> to take a okay. fresh look, to turn that over to law enforcement. So, again, as it relates to Aruba, I wrote an official letter and I offered them anything we had, any expert, any resource, whatever they needed. Um, yeah, they didn't want it. But, again, that's, that's their call. But mm-hmm. we are in a position to do things that most law enforcement can't do. For example, um, not just Dr. Cindy, but under her leadership, we can put 50 profilers on a case. Who can do that? <laughs> I no, mean, I NYPD don't know. can't do that. NYPD can't do that. Scotland Yard can't do that. And, right. and what will happen is if we have Dr. Cindy and Dwayne, and Larry Bussey, and Rusty Whiting, and all of them come to the same conclusion about who did this, we know we're on to something. Mm-hmm. There's no way, working independently, those people are going to focus on the same suspect and be wrong. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, it's not um, really likely. And so, it, like, what she was talking about with Natalie, I can remember the night that I was at Jekyll Island talking to Rusty about Natalie's case. And he's my expert, and he sits me down, and he says, Mac, listen to me. And he explains the Caribbean wall. Because I kept saying, why hasn't she washed up? It's been two weeks. It's been three weeks now. Why haven't we found her? And he explained that Caribbean wall and the pressure that your body goes through when you are at certain levels in the ocean. So, Every ten feet, every twenty five feet, every fifty feet, this pressure is now pushing you down, holding you down. She's not so it's holding surface. you
1: down in the bottom of the ocean floor. is that what are you saying?
0: Yes, because you have air in your body, so as you sink, you know when you like when you dive down in a swimming pool and you're going like to the drain, you know your ears start to pop that's pressure mm-hmm. it's hurting you right. right? The right. deeper you go, the more pressure there is. So after a while you're just down. There is no you don't float up but only so much more. So let's mm-hmm. say you're seventy five feet down in the ocean, you're only gonna float maybe twenty five feet more, that means you never surface. So again, after the conversation with Rusty is the reason I'm able to go back and every time, you know, Beth wants to talk it out and, and she's asking, Are we going to find her? No. She's gone. Mm-hmm. But Rusty's Mm -hmm. conversation, parent to parent, Rusty's a parent, I'm a parent, Beth is a parent, excruciating conversation to have, but it was unnecessary. She needs the truth. And that's why these con artists drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. And and let me just say this again. Let's say they find her. Oh, Mac was wrong, Mac. She was in that shed. Okay. What I said was, she's still a piece of crap. Yeah. Make her go through this for ten years. Ten mm-hmm, yeah. years they could have buried her. For ten years we could have had answers. But you want me to believe you wait on it until the anniversary? Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't believe. Wow. Incredible. I
1: don't believe well, I you had the conversation it was difficult and it i'm sure it is every single day to wake up and think you know you always have that nagging hope in the in the back of your mind but she's i'm sure she's a they she's a realist um after all this time but let's you know we've got about 15 minutes or so just about um can we talk about a couple of the cases that you know you're going to be involved in Cindy if you'd like to give us an overview
3: well, sure. Um, and, um, and or if, or if, if Cheryl, if you want to give an overview of the the cases that you're going to have me involved in, then I'll comment sure. on them. Okay.
0: Sure. Um, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to be in New Orleans, and Daphne Jones disappeared. She was a student at the University of New Orleans. She worked at the famous restaurant there, Brennan's. She had recently become pregnant, and she was going to move back home to live with her mother. And just vanished. So, again, it's going to be imperative for me to have Dr. Cindy there in front of the apartment where she lived, walk the campus, and then literally go from there to the restaurant and just say, okay, this is where she was at. Now let's talk when about did the this When did this happen? 2005. Okay. So. so what would you just,
1: in general, surmise about... Comment, comment about about this case, Cindy.
0: Yeah. Before, well, before she says too much, oh, I will ahead. tell you she can't tell you the whole breakdown. Yeah. Um, okay. She can just give you kind of an outline.
3: That's what yeah. I mean. And um and 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 it, you know and really and those especially in those type of cases, um when you get there and we get to we go to exactly where 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 she worked we walk it we we do the whole thing and you know and, and of course we take into account what time of year it was when what was going on um what celebrations of course this is new orleans what celebrations were going on and there's a different you know in every in every city in every different block of every city there's a different feel and again you can't get that you can get pictures but you can't get that um um uh from looking at these pictures quite often it's just when you get there and in a lot of these scenes too, I think, and where we're going to be um you know going to the scene the we're trying to arrange for the parents to be there and Cheryl, I think her mom is going to be talking with us
0: mm-hmm.
3: her aunt her her aunt, yes, and that 's invaluable. Information and people. Of course, that that goes into victimology, and people misunderstand victimology and think that we are trying to put the victim on trial. We're not. It's the opposite. What we're trying to understand. If we understand the victim and what motivates them and their lifestyle and who they were exactly, then we can understand more about the offender. And so that's what our whole job is to do. And so, you know, getting information from her aunt, and, again, not just on the phone, not just on uh, uh, in from paper or yeah. things that she sent, but actually sitting with her and talking with her and sometimes at the scene, it, again, is example. invaluable.
0: Dr. Yeah. Dr. Cindy will be there with me. So I'm probably going to ask her aunt things like, does she normally walk, ride a bike, or drive to work? And then she'll answer that. And I'll say, which way did she go? Because if you ride a bike, you don't have to go the roadway, so it might be a shorter distance, for example. Cindy then is going to be able to say to me, these are the watch areas. This is where the offender could have been watching her. The the viewpoints from across the street, behind the apartment, and, again, the fact that it's an apartment, not a house, upstairs, downstairs, it all matters. Did it Mm -hmm. take two people to carry her out of the apartment? Because as an investigator, I'm going to tell you, I think the guy had help because she Mm -hmm. would be heavy, right? So Mm -hmm. Cindy and I are going to talk about that. So the point of entry, the point of exit, everything matters.
3: Time of day. Mm -hmm. Time of day tells you a lot. Right. Um, Yeah, it tells you a lot. How long
0: do you spend at the scene?
1: Is it a matter of a few hours and then you go back to like a conference room that you've rented or something? How is that part going to go?
0: We'll definitely have a war room, we call it.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: We are going to have some time at Brennan's because, again, that's important to see how many people come in and out of there, how many people could have seen her, been stalking her, that she was even unaware of maybe, Um, whether or not. And we're going to have Betsy Ramsey there. Does this appear to be domestic or a stranger or an acquaintance? Dr. Cindy's going to answer that. I'm going to answer that. Dwayne's going to answer that. And again, we're probably going to all be on the same page. Mm -hmm. So once we get these things kind of solidified, we'll be able to go back to law enforcement and break down for them exactly what we think they can do at this point. Um, For her, too, it'll be a lot of geographical profiling. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, you're talking about New
0: Orleans, where's the closest swamp? That's a great place for a body, and we need to know where's the closest one. How would the killer have gotten there? Because, again, she didn't just disappear. So we're we're working a missing person's case, presumed Mm data.
1: Right. And this person was pregnant, so maybe you check with the OBGYN people around there and all that kind of stuff, right? Maybe. I I don't know.
0: You know, you start with the father of the child. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As sad as that is. Yeah. Because it it goes to motive.
1: Tremendous.
3: Yeah. And are the obviously students going to be
1: around with you? Pardon? I Pardon? Mean, uh, and how many students? I know it depends on your ability to get there and to assist, and mm-hmm. I know it's an active teaching scene. So yes. I'm just trying to visualize this in my mind, um, Cindy and, and Mac, um, with regard to whether you're going to be at this um, restaurant where she worked or whatever. Are there going to be, like, a dozen students standing around with you Listening, yeah. helping, making comments, is that how it's going to go? Like you're 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 going to draw a crowd. <laughs> I mean you'll draw mm. other public
0: or how how yeah. is is it gonna be cordoned <laughs> off with yellow tape or something like that?
1: Yeah, we'll do like we
0: normally do and you you'd be surprised. We we do pretty well without people <laughs> eavesdropping, but one thing that'll happen is yes, there's gonna be students with us and something that happened last week. The students are putting together an art show, and it's called Canvas to Canvas, because, you know, we canvas a crime scene and then painting. And they're getting local artists in Atlanta to donate paintings, and we're going to sell them just for donation. So you're going to be able to buy an original piece of artwork for your office or home for whatever you want to donate, $5. Oh, oh,
1: that sounds wonderful.
0: Is there, like, a website for that or something? Not yet, but we're working right, yeah. on. I'm going to take okay. pictures and I'm going to put them on, you know, Facebook and Instagram yeah. and Twitter. And yeah. anybody that wants to buy it, I'm going to get it to them. FedEx is going to help us out, and you know, we're excited.
1: Oh, that sounds great! Wow, that's 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 just tremendous.
0: Um, so, become okay, so, so they're having to raise their own money.
1: Yeah. And uh, so they're doing their own things individually so that they can get themselves there. Correct. Correct. Okay.
0: So that's what now. I mean. It's they're so local exciting churches. working with their, you know, places of business, their family, and then they right. came up with this art show idea. So they'll be with us.
1: Right. right. And
0: maybe you could do that from
1: city to city. There's artists all throughout the country. Isn't that a great idea, <laughs> do I Love?
2: Oh, I love the idea. Yeah, it's
1: great. Yeah, can you yeah, speak to uh,
2: you know? Can you speak to the Susan Powell case? I mean, we know. Yeah. There's it, another case where you know who did it. if it, that's a moot point? However, you know, obviously she's never been found. And what what are you bringing to that
0: particular case? Um, well, which case? I, I couldn't hear you. Susan Powell. Oh, well, again, geographical profiling, because she's never been recovered. And she, ironically, is another case where we were working with Ann Bremner, and we were very clear that we believed he was going to harm the children and possibly himself. Um, But we all agreed that he would hurt those children. And we even went as far as saying we thought the court needed to appoint them their own attorney. Uh, and basically keep them away from him. Um, Of course, that didn't work out. But, again, it's not a a question of who we think did it, but his father is still alive. We believe that he has information of where she's at. There's zero doubt in my mind that his father does not know where she is at. Right. Um, And, again, through geographical profiling, we can potentially narrow down where she might be, uh, given the amount of time that he had, given that he had two infants with him, small children with him, that's going to slow him down, even if they sleep, part of it. Um, He's got limited time to get done what he needed to do, and it was a little disorganized. Um, He didn't have months and months to plan on what to do with her, so when we get out there, that's one of the things we're going to do is drive some perimeter places that we have pinpointed to take a look at. Wow,
1: that sounds really exciting. In terms of being able to narrow down things, what's your best contribution in terms of if you could say overall? And we we said this on a couple other shows um, because we've had the benefit of introducing this as a as a as a breakthrough uh, um, um, task or, or project, Cindy. Um, mm-hmm. We know you're not going out there to solve every case because that's impossible, or even one. You're you're there to provide teaching opportunities. But what do each of you think would uh, overall would be the best contribution that you can make to these cases? Is it the discovery of one significant fact? Is it? I mean, what what is it? What's your best contribution you think you can you can hope for?
3: Um, you mean in general, just yeah, in, in general
1: uh, or
0: specific?
3: Um, of course, you know all the cases are different, but I think. From my point of view, to be able to go in and provide um a completely different point of view that is based that is based on clinical and um and statistical research about these these type of crimes that you can actually go in and provide a different point of view or a profile of what you think of or uh, of who the possible offender was and what may have happened. And when you do that, it opens up um, – it, it opens the case wide open, or in, in, in my in, – I believe it does. And so that you can uh, – it provides so much more information to where you can go down different avenues. I think it's to provide a different point of view – so that you can be more efficient and accurate in trying to find the offender. I think that's my most important um contribution. I don't know if Cheryl disagrees. Mm-hmm. She's she's you know she's coming at it from a different I don't know. What do you think yeah. of profilers? Uh, no,
0: I I agree completely that again, we're given there's never been a criminal profile that's looked at Daphne Jones. That's a gift to that police department. What I think we're yeah. doing overall is we're getting the next generation of law enforcement people ready. We're teaching yes. them compassion. We're teaching them how to right. investigate when you can't Google the answer. We're teaching them how to walk <laughs> it and talk to people and see, because it's it's easy right. to see what's there. It's, it's you got to learn to see what's not there
3: mm-hmm. or what's
0: there and isn't supposed to be there. So that's what mm-hmm. they're right. going to learn, and then how to you know interview people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I Put think take the we,
3: bias out as well.
0: Yeah, we're advocating for families.
3: We're mm-hmm. saying, look, right. at this.
0: Death certificate needs to be changed, and that government let's change it. If if somebody committed suicide, then that mama needs to know that, and we need to break that down while we think that, right. so she can move on with that information. If that child was murdered, then it needs to be investigated like that, and somebody needs to go to prison.
3: Period. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. What we're well, doing.
0: there's a lot of things. There's a lot of
1: things you can do. Can you give us just very quickly because we're th- we're almost out of time. We'll just give it the dates of when the tour is, and then you, uh, of course, Cheryl, you are, but Cindy, I'd love to talk to you later, and you're invited back. Tell us what the dates <laughs> of the tour are, and then we're going we to have to play that, unfortunately.
0: We leave Janu- uh, July 1st, and we start with a case in Atlanta. We go to Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. We go all the way to Los Angeles, up to Seattle, and back across the top states. We'll do about 22, 23 states and about... Nineteen twenty cases. So wow. follow us every Saturday with Lady Justice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna hang out with you. It'll be, it's an be live from the scene of the crime every Saturday. I'll be at a live crime scene talking to you mm-hmm. and on YouTube as well. Right. So anyway, uh, Dr. Cindy, thank you so much for for being on.
1: It's been a fascinating pleasure. Hope we can still uh, stay in connection. And Cheryl, we'll talk to you real soon. Delilah. Thank you so much. We're going to have night, to close lady. out for this
3: evening. Okay? Thank you, ladies. I
0: okay. appreciate
3: it. Okay. Bye-bye. It was a Good night, everyone. All right.
2: Hmm. you can stay one step ahead of stinky and for bigger jobs try the superior strength of hefty large black bags with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky